Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's Duanna. Welcome to Show Your Work. And in a first, you're not going to surprise me with some horrifying no. uh, off-the-cuff topic. Now, we got to get right to it today. We have such a jam-packed show, including an incredible interview with the Fug Girls. Heather and Jessica, you know, love and obsess over them, as do we. So we are skipping over the time when you tell me to uh, <laughs> randomly name a plant or we talk about a tub shroom and going right into the meat. Yeah. And the meat, as we promised um, on the site, many of you requested this. And I just want to say thank you for when things like this go down and we're talking about Constance Wu. On Twitter, a lot of you were like, hey, Lainey and Duanna, this is Show Your Work. On email, you were like, please talk about this on Show Your Work. And that's so flattering for us because if you're associating those situations when people aren't showing good work or showing great work, you think of us, I feel like we're doing our job. So thank you so much. Yeah. And obviously it's exciting for us to get to talk about something that has, yeah, so many work layers. So at this point, we all know the deal that after the renewal on Friday was announced that she had a lot of, uh, salty things to say and then defensively tweeted and doubled down in a statement that Ugh. I think actually I've never seen a gray hair on you, but if you ever had one, I would blame <laughs> that statement. Well, yeah, I think that what was really, I was expecting a longer statement from Constance Wu. Um, if you follow her on social media, she is not a stranger to, I guess, whatever, like the iNotes. Oh, I see. You mean right? like the, the screenshot of the, That's the right. thing that, right? uh, I mean, just to pause, uh, we got a lot to say, but I love that uh, iNotes has become a shorthand for- Apology? Well, and for, <laughs> this was thoughtful. Like if I, if I tweet it or write it in Instagram, then it's must be off the cuff. But if I wrote it in iNotes and then published that image, mm-hmm. it must mean that I'm really considering it. That probably was the- like the the biggest groan from me because you had time to craft the statement. It was written, right? I mean, yes. And it sucked. It was not good. So why don't you, I, I read it first. You yes. hadn't read it yet. And I texted you and I, or did I talk to you? Did we, we see talk, each other? No, we day? talked in real life. Yeah. And you said, we were talking about something else and you said, oh, and the statement. And I said, the final line is so outrageous. And then you went home or you went wherever and you finally read it and you texted me and you were like, I think that, yeah, you were like, took the Lord's name in vain. I think you did. Uh, I believe that what I texted you, uh, and I apologize for the blaspheming, was Jesus Christmas, which, yes, was an autocorrect, uh, but nonetheless was pretty much an accurate representation of how I felt about it. And 
what I obviously always love about you is that you were like, it's not just the last line, which is in itself so awful, but you were like leading up to that. And it's true. And you were, she, uh, (laughs) right. Sorry. What did I say? Yes. Um, yeah, none of the statement is great. And of course you've talked about it on the site a little bit on Monday, but it, every angle from which you can read her statement is still not good. Uh, you know, she comes out and explains, for anybody who didn't know, everybody knows, but she comes out and explains that, in fact, she was reacting in a way that was disappointed because it meant she couldn't do a project that she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not an excuse. No. That's not an explanation. That is, sorry if you felt bad. Like, yeah. that's not what that is. No. Uh, for so many reasons. First of all, because counting on your number one thing to get canceled and making the deal based on the assumption that that will happen ain't great. Yeah. Uh, You know, and people have been burned by that a bunch of times. You know, there are so many situations we've talked about a lot on the podcast where, oh, nobody expected such and such to get picked up again. And so it meant that Mm -hmm. this actor couldn't do this job or had to drop out of this role. Also, the use of the word pleasant, I think… Easy and pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is… Constance Wu, of course, has become a meme over the last week. Yes. And I feel like pleasant is going to become a meme that basically means gritting my teeth and smiling my way through it. Right. Or sneering. Like, as you read that statement… and. Like, writing is often meant to be read out loud, right? So if you're reading her statement and you're reading it out loud, the first instance of easy and pleasant comes across fine, neutral. By the second one, it starts to take on a tone. By the third, it is a straight up, like, dirty word coming out of your mouth. It's Daenerys' face. (laughs) Yes. It's that condescending smile face of like, hmm. Yeah, it's it's easy and pleasant. Well, it's it pleasant. It, yeah. She couldn't come up with another word to describe the atmosphere. Well, I think her. I mean, not to get all nitpicky about the writing style, but her choice to use repetition there backfired because, or I don't know, maybe that was the intention. Maybe that's the insight because her choice literarily to use the repetition of that phrase, ended up being really patronizing. Easy and pleasant. Easy and pleasant. Easy and pleasant. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, there were a lot of jokes about Constance Wu's publicist and, oh, (laughs) how's my job going as Constance Wu's publicist? But I think this statement should make it extremely clear that she was not running this by anybody. Um, again, the easy and pleasant is a big one, but there's also this sequence where she says, even my closest friends are baffled at how I could value artistic challenge and difficulties over success and happiness. Oh, God. But I do. I know. It's weird. You know what that sounds like? Have you ever, it, like, first of all, really, your closest friends yeah. don't know you're just that amazing and special? But also, I don't know, did you ever watch Chris Lilly's comedy? Uh, he plays Jemay, the yes. private school girl. Yes. 
Uh, there's a great sequence where when she's giving a speech, she says, uh, my name is Jemay. Weird name, I know, but you'll get used to it. And yeah. you know that she doesn't think it's weird at all. In yeah. fact, she thinks it's glorious and special. Uh, if you don't know about Summer Heights High, please check it out. <laughs> it is such a delight. But that's the tone here. Like, it's so weird. I know I'm a crazy workaholic who values quality, but get used to it. It's disingenuous. So, okay. So the statement is very bad. It ends with the worst possible choice uh, that she could possibly have chosen at the end, right? This is really what made you boil with rage at somebody that you had loved. Loved. And that's not to say I can't love her anymore. Um, Like, I just want to, as I said in the post… I just want to put out there, this is not like about canceling somebody. This is about critiquing and assessing their work. And in this case, their shitty work. Well, look, yeah, you can, no, I think that's an important point, but especially when you love somebody, uh, I often think of it like a friendship or a relationship, you know, when you love somebody and then the first time that you disagree or have a fight or whatnot, they kind of fall down a little bit in your eyes and you're like, oh, and it's inevitable. All people are human, so they're going to disappoint at some point sooner or later, but it's processing that sort of level of disappointment. Uh, But yeah, it's that this was the, that moment at the end of the statement was what made you the craziest. Yes. Thank you for believing women. (laughs) Suffice it to say, that is not what that term is for um, and not how it was intended to be used. No, not it was not intended to be used for somebody whose television show was renewed for a sixth season on the day that many people's shows were not renewed. They were canceled. So a lot of people are out of a job and she was pissed off or upset or emotional or however you want to characterize it, even generously to Constance. Um, She was upset because she had this other opportunity. And in essence, it comes across like she was hoping for the show's cancellation. She was overtly hoping for it. Absolutely. Or at bare minimum, she was assuming that mm-hmm. it would be canceled. Yeah. So she would be free to do whatever it was that started whenever it did. Now, here's the thing. You're the expert. So in in this kind of situation where you, of course, are committed to a series on network television that's, I guess, on the bubble, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Um even when you know it's on the bubble and you don't know yet what is going to happen to it, can you go to your producers? Can you go to the network and be like, hey, I want to do this other thing. Can you give me an answer? Or like what's happening? Like let's unpack the behind the scenes or speculate at least. For sure. So um, yes and no. If you are on a show, sometimes, you know, we've always talked about people are sign a contract for six or seven seasons, right? So conceivably, and in fact, they do that before the final audition. Mm -hmm. So if you test for the network, you already have a contract saying, if we give you this job, we own you for seven seasons. Now, of course, you've seen all the time that people don't last those seven seasons, right? Even if the show goes on, maybe somebody doesn't work and they're written off, or sometimes an actor wants to leave. An example is Rob Lowe on The West Wing, right? Four seasons. He did four seasons. He wasn't happy and he thought he wanted to do something else or he thought the role was going to be different. Yes. So in that case, he would have gone to the producers and said, hey, you know what? Can I go? And that's making it sound maybe happier than it was. 
But the producers in that case would talk amongst themselves and go, can we make this work without Rob Lowe? Um, you know, or literal, more accurately, somebody slides a note under the door to Aaron Sorkin being right. like, Sam Seaborn is leaving. Yeah. Deal. Uh, and they say, yeah, okay, sure. And they let him go. And whether there's a penalty of finance or not, you know, that's what it is. The difference with something like Fresh Off the Boat is if we're on the bubble, we may or may not come back. And I am the female lead of the show. And I say, hey, I kind of don't want to come back. Well, the network is going to renew or not based on what we have. And she is a big part of that show, Mm -hmm. right? So I don't know if while you're waiting, they can say, sure, we can do the show without Jessica. Uh, Because I think the conventional wisdom is that no matter how the show has changed over the years or how her character has changed, she's still kind of the breakout star Mm -hmm. or one of the best things about it. She's the bold face name. So I don't know that they're going to be super willing to let her go the way, yeah, a, a fourth bold face name on a huge show that was a for sure, renewal, like yeah. the West Wing, is going to go down. So then that, so then I say, which is, you know, an issue that we touched on in the post, which I want to, like, get deeper in with you. So then she's committed to the show, which is great. Most people who work in television would be like, yay, season six, easy and pleasant money. Um, but can she then be like, hey, I have this other opportunity. Is there a way to work around it. Uh, What can we do? I mean, it's conceivable that you could, uh, depending on who you are and what's going down. There are definitely stories of people doing all kinds of things to make that work. Uh, A recent example is uh, Kristen Bell shooting The Good Place. She is the lead in The Good Place and also the revival of Veronica Mars. Right. Now, both of those are shorter runs, but I believe there was some overlap. And when that person is the number one person, then people are going to make things work. Part of the difference there is those are both TV shows. Yeah. Um, And so they kind of are staffed with people who might work with each other in the past or again, there's not always the same crossover with film. And the conventional wisdom is if you're on TV and you're doing a film, do it in the hiatus, right? So your hiatus is on TV production maybe ends in early March. Right. So you have from early March or end of February through to say middle of June Mm -hmm. to shoot your movie. Yeah. Clearly that was not what this movie was. And there's a lot of other moving parts to a film that, you know, maybe they were going to start on the 1st of September and they couldn't move right. that or they couldn't, like her hiatus essentially is wasted. Yeah. Uh, they hadn't already shot whatever it was, or maybe she was shooting something else. This was something that would have been coming up. So, and again, this is all conjecture. We don't know what the project was or when it was going to shoot, but to ask somebody who maybe was going to go into the first day of principal photography on August 15th or September 1st to push that to the following February or March yeah, and talking about a director and mm-hmm. all the other cast and so forth for one person and what that does to release times and maybe to award show bait and everything else, that's a big, big ask. And yet it is done for certain people. It is definitely done for certain people if they're, you know, worth the investment, right? And I don't say that to be cruel, Um, but yeah, if you have, say, I'm trying to think of what's a sure thing. 
if you have a, a Melissa McCarthy movie that's going to make a lot of money, you wait for Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. You know, you'll get her when she's ready. And if you really can't uh, make it work with her schedule, then maybe you would open it up to somebody else. But it's she's the one who makes that film mm-hmm. go. We often talk about who can greenlight a movie, right? Yeah. Uh, and if Melissa McCarthy's attached, that movie's getting made. Yeah. If Jennifer Lawrence is attached, that movie's getting made. And it's probably the case that Constance Wu, as big a star as she is and as much on the rise as she is, yeah. is not going to get that movie made. Well, I, I don't think you're being cruel at all. I think you're being actually factual. Like, Constance Wu has had one major year mm-hmm. and three good years leading mm-hmm. up to that. But one major year where she was in she was in the most successful rom-com of the last decade. Um, you know, it was a part of award season. Everybody loved Crazy Rich Asians. So yeah, it was her time to climb. She's working on a Jennifer Lopez movie. Clearly more doors are being opened for her. And frankly, not many people are in her position. Like Asian actress who can play anywhere from 22 to 45, mm-hmm. right? I mean, 45 is a stretch, dude. I'm not going to buy her as older <laughs> than 32, but that's right. a nice curse to have. But on the TV show, she at least can play a mom yeah, of teenagers, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, you've got that going. And unfortunately, because of inclusion and diversity issues still catching up in Hollywood, there's not very many people like her. She's in a unique position and still uh, she's finding that people don't wait for her or won't want to wait for her Well, or yeah, aren't waiting for her. I don't know what the project was that she was devastated Maybe. to lose yeah. out on. But yeah, I can see where, let's say for the sake of argument that it is Ocean's Eleven again or Ocean's Nine and a Half or whatever we call right. it, right? Um, to be in a movie like that would be a big, big deal and really good for her, but it's not, it's another ensemble cast, you know, as Crazy Rich Asians Mm -hmm. is an ensemble cast. It's not where the whole movie turns on, we got to have her or no dice, you know? Right. If it's a, I don't know, uh, uh. A comedy, like I'm thinking of uh, a Kate McKinnon and Mila Kunis comedy from last year. If it's that kind of a pairing, it's like, yeah, it'd be great. But there's nobody at a big studio who's like, she is box office gold, guaranteed. Again, Jennifer Lawrence is everything that Constance Wu is not, in not necessarily a good way, Hollywood-wise, which is to say she's, uh, you know, she's blonde and white and younger. I'll, they're probably actually very similar age yeah. at this point. Jennifer Lawrence is permanently stamped at 23 in my mind, but I think we discussed that she's like 29 now. Yeah. But Jennifer Lawrence can open a movie. People mm-hmm. will come. Yeah. And she has proved that over the last decade. That's a body of work that makes people wait for you. Yeah. Nicole Kidman, people are going to wait for you. Right. Um, And she's, no, she's not at that point just yet. Actually, I have a theory as to what the project was, and I'm not necessarily convinced it was a movie. Um, I The first thing that popped in my mind was, you know, Lucy Liu's doing a series on, like, trailblazers, and the first installment is on Anna Mae Wong, who is widely considered to be Hollywood's first Chinese actress. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I'm, I mean, Lucy is directing it. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's acting in it. And so if there was a casting, I mean, 
you would have to think that Constance Wu would be on that list. I mean, sure, but not knowing about that project, but it's a series? It's a series, yeah. Here's the thing, though, about… Like one of those limited series? Yeah. yeah. But if it was an episode… sorry, anthology. Yeah, an anthology series, sure. But an episode of a series, loosely speaking, and this varies widely based on what kind of network you're on and what your budget is, but loosely speaking, an hour of TV takes eight days to shoot. Yep. Um, it's, it can be longer than that or whatever, but it's not 55 days unless you're Game of Thrones. Ahem. Um, <laughs> if Constance Wu wanted eight days off or even eight days plus prep and travel, you know, even if it was 12 days, I feel like that could be arranged with fresh off the boat. No problem. Uh, I think this level of devastation speaks to something that would have taken her away for a much longer period of time. Okay. Is my only thing, right? Like if it was, if it was that kind of a scenario, you'd think that unless Lucy Liu is shooting feature length pieces, you know, you'd think that they could find 10 days or 12 days in the schedule, where mm-hmm. whether it was two hiatus weeks uh, or something around Thanksgiving or whatever it is, yeah, where they could have made some of that work. Well, look, I think we've established that the way that Constance Wu handled it, not good. Agreed. Not defensible. No. Um, you know, being frustrated at the position that she finds herself in, even though it's a embarrassment of riches. Yeah, a privileged <laughs> position, sure. Um, is valid. Yeah, of course it is. But as the kids say, that's your inside voice. Yes. Right? That's yes. your private text or whatever. Like it's yeah. the exact wrong form for that. Now, if I were asked to be generous, here's where our – there's no – like I said, there's no defending her reaction to not using her inside voice here. What I do want to say in our unpacking of all of this is – where she's at with Fresh Off the Boat, and that although she should not have publicly sneered at the easy and pleasant thing about her character and going to work there every day, there have been criticisms of Jessica in particular um, over the last couple of years. Um, And that does speak to not whether or not she should have publicly shared the easy and pleasant, but in reality, whether or not she's continuing to be challenged by this role. Jessica, at the beginning, was a little bit like Tiger Mom, right? Right. She was modeling a style of parenting, specifically a style of being a mother that was not your Beaver Cleaver, Mrs. Cleaver, all-American, all-North American doting style of mothering. She was tough. She um, applied, like, Asian sensibility to her kids. Which felt super fresh and that we hadn't seen on TV. Yes. For sure. In the last couple of seasons, particularly this past season, Jessica has, they've pulled back Jessica from a lot of that perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's been a lot of like Jessica having to learn American lessons. Right. And I have to say, I haven't watched the show in months because I haven't loved what they've done with Jessica. Well, that's really interesting um, because I I think a lot of people, I I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think shows change over five years, obviously. Almost no show that you can think of is the same show in season five as it was when it began. 
Uh, and that is just the nature of being living and breathing kind of entities and reacting to things in the news and think chemistry with your actors and so forth. So I can understand that level of fatigue. Also, and I think really notably, um, Nanachka Khan, who's the showrunner, uh, who created it based off Eddie Huang's book, is leaving the show. Mm-hmm. She's going to a four-year deal, which I think was rumored at eight figures yeah. at Universal. Good for her. And so, you know, and so people say, yeah, absolutely good for her. And then some people talk about, well, the show was bad already uh, before Khan left, but I would argue from the writers, from the showrunner's perspective, maybe that's because of pushback she was getting from the network or from, you know, the studio or whatever. Maybe that's part of her decision to leave. I, you know, do you think it's an accident that Kenya Barris, like both Fresh Off the Boat and Blackish, air on ABC? Mm-hmm. Kenya Barris left last year. Mm-hmm. To, I think his deal was with Netflix. Or- his deal is with Netflix, I believe. Shonda Rhimes famously left ABC for Netflix. Yeah. I mean, there is a bit of a pattern here. Um, we're and- not saying it's connected, but I mean, those were the two shows that were providing a diverse family on ABC. And there have been at least some creative pushbacks on both, right? Yeah, I don't, and I don't know whether, I'd have to look up what studio uh, Blackish is with. Uh, shows have a studio and a network, of course, but yeah, the common denominator there is ABC. Uh, and so maybe that's a horrible coincidence, mm-hmm. or maybe it isn't, but yeah. yeah, it could be a situation where, yeah, Nanachka Khan has the opportunity to leave, yeah. Constance Wu doesn't, Yeah, uh, and that sucks on some level. And again, she's far from the first to be frustrated with the, you know, the growing pains of a show that is essentially an awkward teenager. You know, uh, I think we've talked about Katie Holmes and, and Joshua Jackson and the Dawson's Creek kids being frustrated that they couldn't leave Wilmington, North Carolina. And, uh, all kinds of, of people have talked after the fact about being frustrated with their shows. I think the difference is after the fact. Yeah. A lot of people talked about um, Robert Pattinson kind of rolling his eyes at Twilight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was sort of after the fact. And he was yeah. trying to distance himself. Yeah. Not while people were still being expected to tune into the new season, you know? And the thing is, is that, again, this is not to defend, like, the even if she has valid creative concerns about her character on the show – this is not the forum to do it. No. And it's really surprising because you know how in anywhere, uh, if you're out with your friends and you decide you're going to indulge in a little shit talking about work, you kind of look over your shoulder first to see if anybody who you know could be listening, right? And then that happens five times that amount in LA. That's right. Right? Yeah. So she kind of did the opposite of looking over her shoulder. (laughs) Or even like as many people wrote to us uh, in the last couple of days, even like a group chat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like blow it off there. Like, yeah. It's, to me, I I just don't understand it because again, it goes back to, I love her. I do love her. And this was, I love her because we thought she was smart. Like we've talked about her many times on this show about how she used and spent her capital um, in criticizing the Great Wall. And even then, we were like, hey, 
on the scale and hierarchy of Hollywood, she was taking on Matt Damon. Like three years ago or two years ago, whenever that tweet happened, Constance Wu versus Matt Damon was David and Goliath. Absolutely. And she did it. She did. And, you know, and maybe felt really empowered by that success, right? Like maybe that's where you start to think, oh, Twitter is my forum. That's where I live. So an interesting question you brought up when we were lining up the show and, you know, preparing our talking points in reaction to the, like the post I sent you on The Hollywood Reporter where she had become a meme and other actors, other showrunners, other celebrities uh-huh. were tweeting and mocking her. Like I think Seth MacFarlane in reaction to his show being renewed was like fucking hell. And everybody was using that fucking hell as like they were laughing at her. Yeah. I'm crying right now. Came up a lot. Yes. And on Saturday Night Live, Heidi Gardner at the end of Weekend Update, um, she, you know, was playing this teen movie critic and being kind of annoying and obnoxious and like a just a general eye roll. Um, at the end, she was like, believe Constance Wu. Okay, believe her. And that was a direct shot at Constance Wu. A hundred percent. So as you said, when we were lining up the show, does she recover? No, actually your words were, is this going to follow her? Yeah. And I think I might've said, this is going to follow Mm -hmm. her. And the problem, the reason that that's the case is because it goes back to the Jennifer Lawrence thing. She doesn't have enough other references in people's minds. As much as we love her and as much as she's had a banner year, she's new on Mm -hmm. the scene, right? On this level. On this level. Well, this is not… I think about other missteps. I think about Reese Witherspoon in the uh, drunken video. (laughs) Right. Reese Witherspoon at that point, as reprehensible as that was, Reese Witherspoon had built up a ton of goodwill. Yeah. And followed it up with even more good work and goodwill so that it becomes an unfortunate blip. And as well as Crazy Rich Asians did last year… There's still a vast proportion of people who aren't watching it, who, you know, were fans of Speechless instead of Fresh Off the Boat, and who now go, who the hell are you? Mm -hmm. And there are unfortunate comparisons being made to another young ABC actress who was seen as very well regarded and who was also on an upswing, who never did fully recover, and that's Katherine Heigl. Yep. And I feel two ways about comparing them. Uh, I feel a lot of ways, actually. I feel as though there are a lot of similarities, enough that we can't not point it out. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I'm aware that some of the criticisms leveled at the people who were talking about Constance Wu this weekend uh, said that it was sexist, said that it was, you know, that we always only criticize women who talk this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, that men who bitch and complain don't wear it in the same way. Well, did David Caruso wear it? David Caruso absolutely wore it. I don't know if people know the the particulars of what he said, but David Caruso never worked again, and he was known as being, uh, yeah, pain in the ass. He was disappeared, no? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yes, but Russell Crowe worked. Yeah. And Christian Bale worked again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And… Again, those are white men. Yep. They're also men who had big, big resumes before this happened. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not the person who um, 
you remember there was that terrible situation where one of the actors in the original cast of The Hate You Give uh, turned out yeah. to be a really toxic person yes. and was removed? Yes. That person did not recover. Right. Will never recover. No. Correctly. So it's about timing, I think, too. And I, yeah. Yeah. It's about timing. I mean, I think in her, like, to her advantage, she has a movie coming out in September with Jennifer Lopez. So that's not a bad person to align yourself with. Nope. <laughs> and hopefully that's not a bad person to be mentoring you. Like, I, I would love, I would love if on Friday or like this happened on Friday, if on Saturday she showed up to set if they were working and Jennifer called Constance into the trailer and was like, listen, I've been here too. Yeah. I, you know, I, it would be, it would be nice to like imagine as like, as after school special as this is, that there is a mentorship, that there is like a support system saying you fucked up, but it's not unrecoverable and here's how. I think, honestly, if I'm being honest with you, I think she could have recovered before the statement. The long uh, yeah. I notes statement. If it had just been the tweets yeah. and even the Instagram, you can chalk that up to uh, – uh, ambient or a temper tantrum or whatever. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I just poor ambient. It's a thing. <laughs> okay. Like I mean, you know, uh, we say that exhaustion is is a euphemism yeah. or whatever, but I think ambient is not a euphemism. I think it really does fuck people up. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that what may be the additional <laughs> issue. You're still laughing about ambient. Okay. What may be the additional well, issue. Well, the additional issue is Constance Wu sat back and wrote a thing. Like yes. sat and wrote and thought about it enough yes. to use the word pleasant three times and <laughs> then released that with a hashtag that she co-opted from the Me Too movement. Yes. And that is the comparison to Katherine Heigl, right? Katherine Heigl didn't just – if she had just shot off her mouth about uh, about knocked up in an interview, where, by the way, I think she wasn't wrong no. necessarily, that would be one thing. It was the snotty-ass statement that she released to – the press about, I was not given the material to warrant. Yes, an Emmy nomination. It's having your words in print forevermore. It's and the one-two punch, as you're saying. Yeah, of- it's the one-two punch. And it's also the the situation, like, again, I referenced Christian Bale, and I still think that was reprehensible. I referenced, like, or Alec Baldwin or Russell Crowe, all these men with temper tantrums. They're not carefully worded, thoughtful statements in print. Um, they, maybe because men are allowed and women aren't allowed to have temper tantrums in real life. Yeah. Uh, they're not there in print for everybody to go through and analyze as we are now doing. Mm -hmm. It's when you sort of put that tone down on paper, so to speak, and with the air of, well, this has been thought checked and read over that it's like, oh, that's how you really feel. Oh, I don't know. So... The statement to me is a is a real like log in the road where recovery is concerned. 
And that's where this is so frustrating and it makes me so angry because on the one hand, 100%, I I just can't believe it. Like, we thought she was smarter. Not just smart, but smarter. Right. And on the other hand, we talk often about women of color having to be smarter mm-hmm. and having to be better because as few chances that women in general get, women of color get even fewer. Yes. And if you're perceived to be wrong in any way, yeah. then the, you know, the sort of lazy consensus is, well, that didn't work. Yeah. Having an Asian star didn't work, yeah. which of course we know it has nothing to do with that, but yes. So I'm mad, but I also, like, don't want to feed into that. Mm-hmm. Like, I would like for, you know, equality to be the case where an Asian woman can be flawed. Okay, so then let's… I And Ugh. I think that you're right. Of course, an Asian woman can be flawed. And, and Asian women are flawed like South Asian women are flawed, like Black women and white women and everybody… Like, people, humans, yes. flaws. Yes. But… The pivot is everything. So to take the words out of your mouth, mm-hmm. uh, the real world application here is, yeah. uh, now what? Now what do you do? If I am Constance Wu's publicist, who is not consulted, I am burning up the phones and every favor I have because the only thing that's going to fix this is a viral late night talk show tour. Yeah. She needs to be with James Corden. Yeah. And making fun of herself. Uh-huh. She needs to be like uh, marking up her own statement with yep. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, like making fun yeah. of the three pleasants with a red marker. Yeah. She needs to be uh, talking on Conan's podcast about yeah. that kind of thing. It's Hugh Grant. It's totally Hugh Grant. You're totally right. So just for those of you who were too young to remember this, Hugh Grant <laughs> At the height of his fame, yeah? It was like 95, yeah. Was caught with, so imagine 1995, was caught with a sex worker and it was published everywhere. And then he went on a talk show and then he was like, he shrugged and flopped his hair and was like, yep, I did that. And I and I should say, um, because I was listening to you going, why was that even a scandal that he was caught with a sex worker? He was uh, very publicly dating Elizabeth Hurley, who was right. sort of everybody's like sexy darling. Yes. She was like everybody's pinup. Yes. Um, so that was the scandal there. Like, obviously it was 95, things were different, but also he was cheating. But yeah, he went on and was like, I sure did. Yeah. Um, In his like sheepish, apologetic, constantly embarrassed of himself, like, you know, the thing that you loved about him last year. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But it, it, yeah. Or it's the Colin Farrell playbook, right? And again, I'm aware that as we're talking, these are men. They're men and they're men that have worked themselves out of these situations. Uh, I'm going to give myself some homework to find women who have come back from uh, situations like this. But yeah, that's my prescription is she needs viral videos. Mm -hmm. She needs to be making fun of herself with all her might and believing it. So here's the behind the scenes work of Show Your Work. We pitch each other stories back and forth all week. And then we come together either the day of or the day before. We list off all the things we've pitched to each other and we fight for our own stories or we fight each other for stories. And for me, I always fight for the stories that you pitch that when you are sending them to me, I can hear you like pounding your desk or like 
slapping your fingers on the keyboard, being like, this, this, this is so good. Um, because I know, I know to do that now because, of course, the week is long. 18 things happen in a given hour. And sometimes you forget how excited you were about it. Right. That's true. So when I told you that you pitched this, I said, we have to do this or we should do this because you were very excited. And I said, Charlize Theron. And you're like, oh, what was that? And I was like, remember how she said she didn't know? And then you're like, oh, yeah, right. I was really excited about that. And I was like, see, we have to talk about it. And I'm so glad that we are for two reasons. Um, some of the other stories that get pitched back and forth, you know, if it's big headlines or whatever, lots of people are going to talk about. Um, and because this is one of those stories that's like a little nugget inside a bigger interview in a story that I don't think everybody touches upon at the time. Or they don't touch upon with, I guess, not to like be up our own ass, but the angle that we want to touch upon it. Well, okay. So this story about Charlize Theron, just to, uh, get you clear on how this even came about, I sent you a Pajiba link where they, uh, quote people.com, where they actually reference an interview that uh, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen were giving for The Long Shot, their movie, with the Press Association via The Irish Examiner. Did you get all that? (laughs) Right. Like, it's, it's something... It's a it's a broken telephone, basically. And right. now here we are. And I don't understand exactly why, because it seems to me that this should be headline news. She says, I struggle sometimes in romantic comedies. I feel like I'm the only loser who's never experienced the third act of most romantic comedy. And it just makes me feel very bitter. And I want to continue the quote. It says, she says jokingly as her co-star Seth Rogen laughed alongside her. Now, okay, so she's promoting a movie. They're together. It's clearly in jest, but. Yeah. This blows my mind. Well, listen, I think a lot of the headlines that came out when the long shot was being promoted by Seth and Charlize was she hasn't had a date in a long time. She's not dating. She can't find a guy to date her. She was too busy. And then Seth would joke and be like, I don't know what the problem is. But there was never like an association with the fact that because she hadn't been dating and been out of the game for so long, it was actually affecting her work, which is what I think you're seizing upon right now. Well, it had, I think it's kind of a big admission. Like, you know, every now and again, uh, a celebrity comes out and is like, yeah, I'm a virgin. And everybody's like, you're what? You're what? Because we have this understanding that if you are an adult or young adult of a certain age, you kind of know what that is, right? Uh, And you remember sort of the awkwardness inherent and Mm -hmm. and the particular set of circumstances that it is to be sleeping with somebody. And... I don't think we've ever heard this from somebody over the age of 18 to say, yeah, all those feelings at the end of a romantic movie. And for somebody who is Charlize Theron and doesn't look super, she's not America's sweetheart. She does a fair number of romantic movies anyway. I don't want to say rom-coms necessarily, but to go, I actually don't know what that is. Yeah. That feeling. I don't know what it is to feel like I'm being swept away Mm -hmm. on this ocean It's not that it's so crazy that she doesn't know that necessarily. It's that 
she doesn't, like, you never hear somebody talk about that. Well, we just finished talking about Constance Wu and being self-deprecating. <laughs> exactly. And here's Charlize Theron, who, listen, she's Charlize Theron, but she's basically saying, I don't know what the happily, happy, not happily ever after, but just like that fantasy of a happy ending looks like. And she, you, when you said this to me, you made me like think back on any romantic movie she's done. And of course, the first romantic movie that comes to mind when I think about Charlize Theron is with Keanu Reeves, Sweet you November. <laughs> you knew I was going here. Sweet November. And of course, she dies. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Right. But it's like a fucking 15-year-old, 20-year-old movie. So like, whatever. I'm not going to be too sorry about that. But she dies. Right. <laughs> like it's, yeah, there's that. And, but I mean, she has dated. She was with Stuart Townsend for, for like long time, nine yeah. years and whatever. But I guess what is so interesting to me about this is not that she's saying it, it's a funny joke and whatever. And we all know she was involved with Sean Penn or whatnot. But Charlize Theron is 43 years old. And I know this because we share a birthday. So I always keep oh, track okay. of uh, she and I and David Duchovny. Um, those are my peeps, but it's not unusual. I think we know a lot of people in our lives who are 43 years old who would say, yeah, I've never felt that. It's actually not unusual to say I've never had the happily ever after, or I've never had that swept away thing, or I've never, I think it's even not too far to go to say that she's saying I've never fallen all the way in love. Right. Yeah. If the first third of a rom-com is like, oh, you're interesting and also I kind of hate you. And the second act is like, yeah, I'd like to do this, but it's complicated. Then the third act is like, no, we have to do this. We're getting together. Like, I'll, we'll move mountains. We'll like sail seas to do this. And she's saying, I've never felt that feeling. I think that's actually very, very relatable. I think there are a lot of people who would chime in and agree, but I don't think we've ever heard somebody say that before. Well, I also think it's interesting because if you think about who her contemporaries are. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Kidman. Uh, Kidman, Hudson. Yeah. Um, they have all done this movie. Which movie? You mean the I'm, the, I'm falling in love the, with a schlubby? Where the, <laughs> where the third act, in the third act, uh, she's swept away and presumably, we haven't seen the long shot, but there's a happy ending. Oh, she's done this movie. Uh, they've all done this movie dozens of times. And essentially, she's never. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think young adult is the kind of uh, sarcastic version of it, I guess. Okay. Like, like a... young adult is not like… No, it's not. It's not. I'm not pretending. Yeah. But like, no, she hasn't in this sort of straight up way, for sure. Um, no, it's a good point. And maybe, you know, that's… Because she was choosing not to do this movie because she didn't actually know how to act it. Like, yeah. it kills me because we assume, right? You, when, whenever you hear about actors prepping for movies, uh, we keep referencing Jennifer Lawrence today, so let's do it again. Like, I assume that before she did uh, Hunger Games, they taught her to arch, right? Right. Um, that's probably not what it's called. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or you always hear about, or Ryan Gosling learned to play piano for uh, that other movie, La La right. Land. Yeah. By the way, no, you didn't. You can't learn piano in one right. year. But anyway, but 
you can't say to somebody, hey, before we shoot, I just, um, I'm going to need, uh, I'm just a little like, can I get some love lessons? Like, can I just like get a little practice with the yeah. coach falling and like yeah. feeling that that feeling, like that whole Netflix thing where you actually do watch the Netflix. What is that? I don't know. I'd be actually interested in the behind the scenes where Charlize in the long shot goes to the director and is like, so what's my motivation in this scene? Because I actually don't know. Am I smiling? But from my eyes or just from my teeth? And yeah, the director's like, no, you feel amazing. Every cell in your body is lit up. And she's like, what is that? (laughs) I don't know that. She's like, I can punch him. I can do that. Like I, you know, this is a fun story and it's a fun take to have. But um, I actually think that it's like, I kind of think it's brave on her behalf to say this, to be, you know, we talked about an embarrassment of riches before, but there's no, this is part of what I love about this story, right? You're Charlize Theron, you're supremely successful, you are beautiful beyond reason, and you have an Oscar and everybody loves you. Charlize Theron can open a movie, but that does not in any way guarantee that you're going to have like the real deal, like love in the real way or that you know what that's like, or that you can call upon it for a movie in a way that makes sense when Seth Rogen is opposite you. You know why also this is good work too, is because we often analyze celebrity interviews on this show. Mm-hmm. And the, whatever, the cute anecdotes that they all give about love and love not working out is always like, I still believe in it, you know, Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> You didn't like me. No, I just... You didn't believe me believing in it? I just love where it's going. (laughs) Yes, go on. Right? You know, the Jennifer Anistons and the whatever, I still believe in it. You know, I... Jennifer Aniston, for example, recently gave gave an interview and was like, she was like, I don't think you have just one soulmate and that's not untrue, but it, it, it starts to sound rote, right? It starts to sound, oh, probably this person has said it before and that person... And so here she's coming out with a fresh fucking way to say it, which is, yeah, I, things don't work out for me. (laughs) I never made it to the end. Yeah, exactly. Which is, again, like the fact that she's in this movie speaks to the fact that she's selling hope. So you have that part taken care of. And yet she's like, yeah, no, I don't get it. I, you know, I can't really speak from personal experience because it ends for me usually um, after the second act. I mean, yeah, when all is lost, right? Yeah, like that big, con- like the, you know, the trope in the romantic comedy where there's a conflict and both of you run out the door and you don't think they're going to see, you're going to see them again before the montage where you're sad and both of you miss each other. She's permanently stuck in the montage where they're sad and you don't see each other. Right, right before the dark night of the soul where you That's think right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, I love it. And... Uh, I love it for an actress because, yeah, you you can't it, – it's unthinkable to be that person who's like, no, I've never been there. I've just never <laughs> known what that is, actually. Can somebody help me out? Um, and also from, like, a, a Hollywood and celebrity point of view, Charlize Theron, despite the fact that, yeah, when she came on the scene, she was dating Stuart Townsend, who was also kind of a thing. She never kind of performed romance the way a lot of the bigger celebrities of her ilk did. Nicole Kidman, God love her, showed up holding hands and cuddling and giving interviews about Tom Cruise for years and now gives those interviews about Keith Urban, right? He's wonderful. He's sweet. He whatever. 
uh, Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe, Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth 98 different times, <laughs> um, or Natalie Portman or Anne Hathaway. Like, they all did that thing of like, oh, it's so, it's this. And then when those big ones eventually obviously end, then when they sort of have quieter relationships with people, they say in one form or another, yeah, you know, I sort of learned a lot of shit and got over myself. Yeah. And I love that Charlize is like, yeah, no lessons. <laughs> I just don't know. I got nothing. Like, I'm still, I'm still back. It's like shoots and ladders. She's like, I'm still not at the end of the board. No. And I do think that, yeah, we, we fully expect to understand her and her motivation as Furiosa, right? Or, uh, yep. um, you know, or if somebody's in like a Quentin Tarantino thing or whatever, it's like, oh, I've never shot a gun. Okay, you're going to learn. Yeah. But it's like, okay, well, now it's like, now you give it your all. Now your whole body turns into like hearts and puppies. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just a great, interesting, funny way to sell a rom-com. Well, I was going to say, it... I'm already yeah. a big fan of hers. I like her kind of brittleness, and it makes me even more interested to see the movie. How have we not seen this movie yet? Well, as I've complained about on the site, the movie was not – like, this is a movie where we want to go to that, you know, my favorite theater. Yes, yeah. You want the wine. You want the food in front of you. Mm -hmm. And because of Avengers, which I also love, Yes. <laughs> um, Avengers, like, took up all those – fancy theaters. And so it was playing at a regular theater and I didn't want to go to a regular theater. I wanted my experience to be what a rom-com should be. And so you would rather not see the movie than not see it <laughs> with will, your feet up and boneless wings. I will go to see the movie. However, I, I just want to lodge that complaint to the um, cinema owners. I see. Okay. Complaint lodged. But I feel like this move from Charlize is now – you know, this is kicking it over the top that, uh, yeah, you, yeah, we'll find you a theater somewhere with a cuddle chair. I fucking love it. We got to see it. And if there's anything that is the kind of thing that you should know that you never got to, if you never learned to ride a bike or, uh, like me, you have no idea what to do with Excel and all those little boxes are confusing, let us know what's the thing that people assume you should know by now that you're just like, nope, never got there. I want to hear it. And finally, a special treat and a huge honor for us. Oh, yeah. We are talking to Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, otherwise known as the Fug Girls of GoFugYourself.com. We are such huge fans of these women, of their writing, and of the way that they have conducted their business and themselves, especially in the face of some really uh, exciting heated moments over the past few weeks. So we wanted in particular to talk to Jessica and Heather, not necessarily about Olivia Munn, but about how they worked through that situation, how they decided to handle that shitty day, how they handled their work in general, their partnership over the last 15 years, what it is to work with your best friend, what it is to write with your best friend, um, and what blogging is like we have covered all kinds of uh, all kinds of jobs that are held in the entertainment industry and blogging is part of it now um has been for the last decade or more and what better way to 
get into the work of blogging than with the institution that is Go Fuck Yourself. Enjoy our interview with Heather and Jessica. Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan, the creators of Go Fug Yourself, also known as, I guess, the Fug Girls. Do you like being <laughs> referred to as the Fug Girls? You know, it's better than the Fugly Girls, I guess. But <laughs> we always joke to ourselves that is there a certain age at which we're going to have to switch to the Fug Crones, like <laughs> Fug Hags or something, because it's maybe like maybe yeah. calling ourselves the Fug Girls is, becoming, is stretching uh, credibility a, a little bit at this point. You know, I'm asking because do you remember a few years ago, or maybe it was 10 years ago, the, well, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen did not want to be referred to as the Olsen twins? That's absurd to me. You guys are twins, and your name is Olsen. Like, right. Heather has twins, and, it, like, they're the twins. Like, they are twins. This is a, this is a way to it's describe someone. The biological fact, you guys, we can't change that. But, yeah. yeah so I think uh, we don't really mind. I think anytime anyone cares enough to mention us at all, it's Yeah, it's we're fine. fine. So. That's fine with me. So thanks for talking to us, being on Show Your Work, because we really wanted to talk to you about the work of, well, both of you, the work that you've been doing for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, but also the work of one particular day. And we're such fans of your work. So yeah, when it's a banner time, you kind of go, let's highlight the banner time. Um, and we should, we can give maybe the the sort of 10 second pre-bio uh, because this is where I get to lord my nerdiness over Laney. Uh, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, did you in fact meet on television without pity? That is accurate. Yes, we did. Or was it Mighty Big TV at the time? It was Mighty Big TV at the time. Yeah. See? Nerd. That's true. Wow. That is well done. So what were both of you recapping? I just was recapping. I recapped a bunch of stuff. Um, I think at the time we met, I was recapping that Amy Brenneman show on CBS called Judging Amy. Yes. Which I did not like. Um, but my big show on what became Television Without Pity was X-Files. And then I did the end of Dawson's Creek. So those were kind of like my my flagship recaps for sure. Don't forget the second season of Big Brother, the Evil Doctor. Yes. I did get um, to do that one. And I was doing uh, Making the Band. I did. It was the ABC season where they made O-Town. Oh, oh yeah. Um, Ashley yes. Parker Angel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was my, that was my first Mighty Big TV show. And so that was, so that was when I first sort of got to know Jessica through the forums. And when I actually moved to LA, I can't remember what we were all recapping, but um, I eventually picked up a bunch of the middle seasons of ER and I did Band of Brothers and like I did a couple other shows that came and went, um, but those are my big ones. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So from Television Without Pity, you then co-created Go Fuck Yourself. Right. Yes. And, of course, everybody knows you now. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. You Wait. are an institution. Thank you. Well, it's funny. We were talking about this recently about how, you know, nowadays what we did in starting this blog is kind of 
what people would do when they start, you know, a novelty Twitter account or something. Like back then it was like, if you had a goofy idea and you were blowing off steam on the internet, you started a blog and now it's, you know, if you want to be Angelina Jolie's leg on Twitter, that's what you are. Actually, I guess we've even moved on from Instagram, Instagram account. Yeah. So it's, it's, we were, you know, we're several generations back in how people uh, blow off and procrastinate on the internet. (laughs) Well, I I feel like a whole bunch of us kind of started around the same time within like a year of each other. So Mm -hmm. just Jared, Pop Sugar, Perez Hilton delisted me. We, we all kind of started before the word blog became ubiquitous. Like back then, do you remember people were like, what's a blog? Oh, I know. I had to explain to my mother that like, it it was like, it means weblog. And like, that's because the format (laughs) is that the newest post is on top. And she was like, that's fascinating. Like it was really a technical conversation that I only really barely knew myself, but yeah, nobody really, nobody really knew. And and I think now people still say, they say blog when they mean blog post. It's almost like it came in vogue and then has now gone back out. No one really understands what it is anymore again. <laughs> right. I did a blog kind of thing, yeah, yeah. but I My guess what, blog ever. No. what none of you guys knew uh, was that doing that. And I think that all of us in various degrees were working in traditional media at the same time that you were essentially creating the new celebrity media. Like it's the precursor to what is now social media. It's essentially real-time reaction. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, done, y'all. We just were screwing around. Like who knew that this is what was going to come out of just me and Heather like goofing off. It's right. very time, surreal. I had an idea before someone else had it. If only had I invented like shoelaces or something, I'd be a right. lot of- <laughs> Toaster strudel <laughs> to post yeah. it. Well, I referenced that uh, not just to blow compliments, but because I'm always talking on this show about embracing your nerdism, like that the thing mm-hmm. that is the the thing that nobody else is interested in or that people go, why would you care about that is inevitably the thing that's actually going to let you dig in and be in it. Like nobody else was doing what you guys were doing at that time. Yes? Mm-hmm. No, is that weird? Yeah, um, not like, exclusively that. Yeah. Even, yeah, like E their website was kind of in its nascency and they didn't really have a, a fashion police section. Although obviously Joan Rivers is the, the, and I guess Mr. Blackwell have been doing this for years. We certainly did not invent it, but there wasn't one website that was just red carpet fashion. Isn't that crazy? I have, yeah. I can't believe that is the case, but that is sort of true. Well, there are like 22 year olds who don't believe it, right? They think that yeah. it's been oh, around yeah. forever, but yeah. the interesting thing or the great thing is that because you guys were the first, nobody else was doing it, you spawned, I mean, I don't want to use this word pejoratively, but imitators. Now there are like so many blogs dedicated to fashion. And Instagram accounts. And that's where you, you yeah. do that now, right? I mean, the nice thing is, is that it's such a rich topic. You, you can, there's room for all of that. There's room for all the different yeah. opinions. You know, it's kind of like how there's a, there's a ton of movie critics out there. There's a ton of art critics, music critics, like, Fashion, I think people are realizing fashion is more than just stuff you put on your body. Oh, hi. And, um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have a visitor here. My son just walked hi. in to listen. Hi. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it's more than just stuff you put on your body. And so there's a room for just a whole kaleidoscope of opinions about it, which is, which is actually kind of nice. I think the more all that stuff is proliferated, you know, it's not like we're seeing that people are gravitating away from us in any way. People just sort of, people... It, it's if anything, it's increased the number of places they like to go yes. to get their fill of different opinions and different perspectives. So I'm glad we're talking a little bit about the history and how established you are because I feel like that really came that became also part of the story on the Olivia Monday 
where people uh-huh. were like, I've been reading that site for years. You have mischaracterized that site. And so we wanted to really get into the groundwork that you two laid out in order to be able to rely on your reputation, your past work, um, and you know the service that you've provided to fans. And it came back to kind of pay you back. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'd ever think of it that way. Um, I mean, obviously everybody being super supportive and kind when that all went down was extremely appreciated by me and Heather, um, just massively. Um, but you know, I think we always just kind of felt like this is our job. We're going to do it well. Um, we enjoy our readership a lot. I think we have a really great community of, of readers. We've always they've always been important to us. And I think we've always sort of made them a priority. Um, and I just think you kind of have to do your best and hope everybody sees it for what it is. Yeah. I think we've always been pretty open about, you know, I hear, I hear Tim Gunn saying in my head, use the accessory wall thoughtfully. You know, I think we've always tried to be <laughs> as openly thoughtful as we can be. Um, and as honest as we can be about the times that we don't get it right. And there've been plenty of times where we don't get it right. You know, like anything else, it's an evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people on the internet in 2004 were do very different than they are on the internet in 2019. Hey, and- who are you talking to? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my God. I know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's it, and, and we were obviously, sadly, much younger then as well. Don't. <laughs> Dylan is now reading the book, by the way, just to, to show this Thank off. You, I, yes. can edit we, this out. I mean, <laughs> listen, that is authentic branding at its best. That's I amazing. He's managed this at all. He's just decided to join. But anyway, um, I got to pick up my train of thought in a way that you can. We've always just tried to be upfront about um, when we're reconsidering things or, you know, if if our readers have some feedback and we're like, oh, actually, that's a really good point. Maybe we don't maybe we aren't doing the service that we thought we were doing by expressing ourselves that way. And let's, and, and let's talk about that and maybe we'll change the way we do things. So I, I, I just think being open to that kind of evolution the whole way and open to conversations with their readers, open to what their feedback was, has made it, um, I don't know, a place where I think people just feel a little more ownership of it and they feel like we are friends and they feel like we hear them and, and then they hear us and they, uh, understand when we are like, yeah, we're not perfect, but we want to make this the best place it can be. And how can we do that? Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing that we've, you know, held dear is just keeping those conversations alive and making sure we're always listening and always, and never so entrenched in the way we're doing something that we can't stop and be like, okay, but is that still, is that still the right way to do it? You know, if I'm parodying JLo, is that parody still, does that parody still make sense? Or is it based in something that happened like six years ago that new readers to the site wouldn't even understand if they came and I'd have to re-explain in which case maybe, maybe I need to freshen it up a little bit, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think because uh, you guys and you, Lainey, sort of, as you said, began blogging when that was not a verb, uh, there's not, there wasn't a path to follow. So have you, you know, are there people, do you talk about what is our brand or do you have people, it's not like there are career consultants for blogging that you can kind of consult and go, (laughs) where's the path here now? I know. Well, I think for us... And I think it's this is true for you guys as well, um, is that like we never were really blogging as like a character. We were just kind of ourselves in the first place, mm-hmm. talking in our own voice, like writing as our own selves. So you don't have to worry that much about like, is this on brand? If you're all if your brand is just like 
yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like kind of, it makes it a lot easier. And I'm sure it's something that, you know, we always want to be professional and we're not always perfect. But I think if you're, for us coming at it, just sort of as like Heather and Jessica has made it easy to continue to be Heather and Jessica. And obviously we're a lot different than we were when we were 28 years old. Um, I think everyone is different over the last 15 years of their life. Um, including our readers who've been with us for a long time. You know, a lot of them have said things like, I just, I just think people sort of forget how like crazy the internet was in 2005. We were all crazy. Um, and we were not always sort of as we were meaner than we are now. Um, I think everybody sort of forgets that including us. Um, but I think that for me and Heather, in terms of branding, like we don't really think about it. We're also ourselves. Yeah. Like, and I think sometimes when you get caught up in thinking of yourself as a brand instead of just as human beings, you become a little self-serious about it. The thing is we're neither of us are business people. And there are a lot of aspects to this where if we were better business people, (laughs) that might help us out in some way, but we just sort of, we just don't want to get caught up in thinking of like the brand, the brand and, and how to, you know, because we are, we are just kind of ourselves and, and if we're not, then our readers aren't going to relate to us as people anymore. They're just going to see a site that doesn't have a soul behind it. But I think this is true for basically anyone who is a successful blogger or like a influencer or whatever. You can tell when they're doing, like, I guess Heather and I would maybe talk about it if, say, someone were to ask us to go on, this is just hypothetical. I don't know. To Put go it out on like there. a mo- to go on like a monster truck rally right. TV show. <laughs> that would be fun. And I maybe would do it. And we I would think, think about it. <laughs> yeah. But I think we might be like, I don't know. Are like monster trucks, that seems off brand for our readership. Or for and example, like, if somebody wanted us to do like a freelance feature that was ragging on the clothes of like randoms. Like if somebody wanted yeah. us to do like so, a like civilians. Fa- yeah, like a glamour don't page, but with actual civilians everywhere and like no bars or anything. Like, I think we'd be like, well, no, that's, that's really out of our, that is off brand for us. Like we are really doing the red carpet image and the celebrity image. And we're not just doing like, you know, Jane Doe at the grocery store, you know? I really like what you're saying here about evolution though. um, Because I think right now there is call out culture. Yeah. And what has happened is, and in some cases it's justified, like celebrities have had old tweets come up and people have been like, what the fuck were you saying then? And yeah. it is valid to re-examine what their views were then, but mm-hmm. it almost feels like a litigation mm-hmm. where um, – and the nuance that I guess is being lost is, as you guys were saying, hey, in 2004, we all kind of were crazy. We were evolving. We were learning. And we've had to learn from other people to kind of set mm-hmm. us on a different perspective or to open our minds to it. And yeah. I think what's so – um, refreshing and rewarding in hearing your example is that your readers have grown with you and therefore have allowed space for you to grow. Mm-hmm. We're incredibly lucky in that way. I mean, we really, I hope our readers know how much we value them and then not, not just because they came out in droves and supported us, but just because in general, they make the site a really fun place to be. I learn something from them all the time. Um, some of my favorite afternoon chats are just the ones where people are telling stories about we have a great epic one where people talk about their worst roommate experiences, which is really funny. Oh, um, but sometimes we're just talking about books or beauty products or I'm having a lousy day and I want to complain or I, you know what? I had an awesome day and there isn't a space in my life where I feel like I can blow my own horn and I want to do it here. That was actually one of my favorite days because people, we have some really smart readers, you guys. 
Um, and I just, we really value them. And I think they inspire us also to want to keep evolving and keep making sure that we are deserving of that faith, you know, because they don't put that in us lightly and we take it really seriously. I, I think that's amazing. And I think they probably, the reason that they're coming back is because uh, you are, as you say, you're sort of writers and bloggers, but also in a way, uh, comics, obviously, and comedians. And part of that is always keeping things fresh. And to your point earlier, how they're not retreading the same mm-hmm. kind of motifs that have worked, but that it's not that they don't work. It's that what else do we have? How else do we go from here? Yeah. Like we loved the Britney letters of truth, but those have been retired. <laughs> yeah. I can't do this anymore. I'm yeah. tapped out. There's got a lot going I mean, on anyway. I think it's hard. Um, for us, I was thinking this today. So we're going to be 15 in July. Yeah. Um, our learner's permit. <laughs> there is a time when you like, I sit down at my computer and I'm like, Ugh, like, what do I have left to say about sheer skirts? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't think I'm out. So it is hard. And I mean, I do think that we're kind of in the same boat um, because we always have new stuff to react to. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some celebrity is always going to do something dumb. You're always going to have something new to talk about. Right. Some celebrity is always going to wear like crazy hot pants and I don't know, like a bucket on her head to the <laughs> Met and we're going to get to talk about that. So it is like a refilling well of content and that I think makes our lives a little easier. Mm-hmm. Until you become the content. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Luckily, yeah. we're hardly ever the content. Thank yeah. God. I don't, I don't like to be the content. So I, I want to, Anne Helen Peterson that morning and like she's, She's very thoughtful. I link to her all the time. She's very nuanced. And she's, I believe, has been following both of our sites for a long, long time. A long time, yeah. And she tweeted, her tweet about the Olivia Munn situation was, you know, the Fug Girls are going to wake up probably to some to some negative shit. So I'm sending them, I want to say, I hope they're, you know, in the midst of the things they wake up to. I, I hope that they see this message and other people send that message. And a lot of people piled on, retweeted, also sent the same thing. So I want to start at the beginning. When you woke up, was it one of those things where your phones were blowing up? Oh, no. We knew it was happening. I saw her tweet it that night okay. before I went to bed. So before you um, went, you saw it the night before when she yeah. posted it. I was coming home from an event and I opened my Instagram, our Instagram email. And we had like a really mad email. And I was sort of thought, this is weird. Like, why is this person mad at us on Olivia Munn's behalf? How interesting. But I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then I got home and I, before I went to bed, I thought, I'll just check Twitter and see if anything has happened. And I like literally saw it go up. <laughs> and I have to say, I just sort of thought, Olivia Munn is entitled to her opinion. She doesn't have to like us. We are not for everybody. I would be sort of surprised if very many celebrities ever liked us. Sure. Um, And then I was, my main takeaway was sort of like, oh, tomorrow's Thursday. We run two really big um, pieces on GFY on Friday that I have to write on Thursday. Um, Our Royals Roundup and then our end of the week links piece. (laughs) So honestly, I wasn't thrilled about it, but I respect her opinion. And my main takeaway for me personally was kind of like, oh. God, this is, I have so much work to do tomorrow. Like, this isn't great timing for this to be happening for me. That is the, so, that is the show your work attitude. Ugh, yeah, I have work yeah. to do. We were sort of like, oh, I don't have time for this right now. And I was like, we were sort of like, you know, 
we didn't know what we were going to wake up to, but I remember we sort of said to each other, like, can you imagine if we were actual celebrities? Like, what do the yeah. mentions of actual famous people look like all the time? Like, because I don't know, like, the, this was a small thing and the, it was sort of a drop. Like, we are a drop in the bucket. It was, a, but like, can you imagine being, I don't even know, Ariana Grande or like, you know, Lizzo or any of those other people who get their mentions must be swollen to levels that I can't even imagine where they're just constantly barraged with that stuff. So I feel like, you know, whatever we had woken up to, it was never going to be as bad as it would be for somebody who actually has that many more followers and that many more people interacting with them than we do. Um, but, you know, we were, we got lucky. We got our fog nation really showed up for us. And I yeah, think people were um, very kind, you know, we, we felt very bolstered and very, you know, we, we made the conscious choice to just sort of let it play out um, and made it hard for us to get on the internet and thank all the people that we wanted to thank for being so lovely and considered and kind to us. Um, so at the end of the day, basically we were like, we've got to do something. So we tweeted, we tweeted a gif of all the golden girls hugging, yep. which we felt like was um, appropriate since we are, um, you know, old ladies, old hags of the internet now. <laughs> Um, that's, um, they're not, the golden girls are not hags. I should be so lucky as to look like them, but, um, but yeah, so we just, that, that was, that was as much of a statement, I think beyond any, any, you know, I think page six and USA Today asked us for a statement and we were happy to give them one, but beyond that, we were like, we're not gonna, you know, it is what it is. She's allowed to have her opinion. We have our opinions on the internet. So, you know. Yeah, bring it on. It's fine. I bet it's not, I just feel like we were sort of like, okay, that's how you feel. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, uh, the thing and the beauty of that Golden Girls gif is that it's so clear without <laughs> any caption, without any anything. It's very, very clear what the message is. And, uh, you know, it's it's right there. Like, to dig down a bit, you kind of go, okay, we'll, we'll do this statement, but we won't otherwise acknowledge. Did you sort through other gifts? Did you debate about, yeah. <laughs> you know, what to put up? We did have a long discussion about the gif because we realized – you know, a lot of people were writing pieces that said that we hadn't commented, which was um, inaccurate, actually, as you guys know, because I know Lainey wrote, included our comment in her mm -hmm, piece. Mm -hmm. um, we were giving the same comment to everyone who approached us and asked for comment. Um, but a lot of journalists or bloggers just looked at our Twitter feed. And I said to Heather, I was like, how will we feel if someone writes a piece that says their only comment is a gif of the Golden Girls? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that actually sums up my life. So I'm totally good with that. We decided we were fine with that. We were like, that's actually really funny. If that is a piece that ends up getting written, I think that's, we're fine with that. But yeah, we did look through it. We were like, this needs to be right. We took yes, some time on the game. I think we considered one from Clueless and we considered one um, from Friends, which is, I don't remember who it is. It's one of, I think it's Joey running into the room and grabbing Chandler by the back and hugging him. And the funny thing about that is that we did not use that one, but someone replied to us with that one. And Aww. I was like, yeah, Nation gets us. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I was, I felt good about our choice. I was like, if someone thinks that's our only comment and wants to put that in writing, okay. So you mentioned it was a conscious decision to go about your day, to let it play out, as you said, Jessica. Did, when was your first call to each other? Where you, like together as partners as you've been for the last almost 15 years said, Hey, is this how we're going to play it? Yeah. And go. Or text. We know that, you know, you're very young and cool and probably text. <laughs> you know, right. We were talking because we all, we do a lot. I don't know. I don't know how, what your workflow is like. We do a lot of our workflow at night, um, you know, in terms of making sure we have stuff to go up early enough in the morning that we're not getting up at 5 a.m. to write. 
Um, so I was already working. I actually may have been working on the book and Jessica may have been up working on the website. I can't remember, but so she basically, she, I messaged me or texted me or whatever. and was like, so <laughs> this thing went up on the internet. I was like, what? Um, yeah. and I read it and we started getting some, the original, the first wave of stuff was all in very much in agreement with her. And we were like, okay. And, and, and I said, I just have this feeling that, um, because of the news cycle being what it is and because publications love the, you know, so-and-so clapped back at such and such in this unbelievable way. You know, they love those headlines. People, people want to make feuds out of stuff. And I was like, I just feel like someone's going to, we're going to wake up tomorrow and someone's going to have a question for us about this. And like, I just don't know that. And we kind of, both of us, our initial instinct was, I just don't think it serves any of this well at all to turn it into a thing. So let's just, let's just have one thing we want to say and make sure that that's, let's just make the message really clear. Mm -hmm. Having one statement, as much as it's boring for journalists, I've been on the other side of that. Yes. Where like, oh God, really? There's one statement. You're just going to give me this thing you gave everyone else. But from our point of view, it was like, let's just, it just makes it clear. Like, this is how we feel. We're not going to muddy the waters. We're not going to get in a situation where people take one statement from one place and one statement from someone else for, or that we gave to someone else and they kind of stitch them together. Let's just make it as easy and simple as possible. And how do we really feel about it? And we basically were both like, well, we kind of feel like she's allowed to feel she can feel her feelings. That's fine. We don't have to agree with them, but that's kind of what our nature of our job is anyway. So that's, that's how we decided what to say. I feel like I there think- are a lot of celebrities who could just take a class in what you just said. <laughs> like, just let it walk. Well, you know, everybody feel your feelings. It's fine. I think, I think we've all seen people get mired in sort of like Twitter fights that aren't useful for anybody's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really was like, I have a lot of work to do tomorrow. Like I literally, <laughs> sincerely, I had a lot of work to do on Thursday and the blog is our business. Mm-hmm. I can't, we can't have a Friday where Royals Roundup doesn't go up or where our mm-hmm. links post doesn't go up. Yeah. I mean, you know I how easy it is to fall out of people's viewing habits too. That's yep. the, as I'm sure, again, you know, it's a 24 seven news cycle. And if people aren't, if people have an excuse to stop coming to you because they think you're not posting right now or whatever, like suddenly two years later, they're like, I forgot about that website. Oh, what a bummer. So yeah, we were like, we got to keep on keeping on here. Yeah. As I said to Heather at some point during the day, I was like, look, I feel like we just got to keep on trucking. We said, she said our piece, we said our piece. Let's all go about our business. I think that I love that the word business has come up because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people who stepped up to protect you and defend you understood that this is your job. And they didn't want somebody to like put your jobs and business in like a precarious position. Um, and I, I think that that is something, I guess more and more people are trying to respect it and respecting it. But there was a time when our jobs were a joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And yeah. people didn't take it seriously that like, I remember for me, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but people were like, what do you mean you have to file taxes? And Until, right? <laughs> or, you I just mean, like honestly, say shit online. Yeah. Or for <laughs> us, it's know. like, you know, what's the name of your website? And you're like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's got a G. It's F-E-G. Like, <laughs> that's the name of my website. You can't, can't help what you're good at. Um, but yeah, you know, people, I don't know. I think I, <laughs> this is a weird connection to make, but I honestly think that the perception that journalism itself is under attack by such forces as the White House 
um, has helped a little because we've all started to look at what's happening in that press room as these people are just trying to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I am not in any way trying to equate what we went through with what it's like to do that job right now. But it's a similar principle. And I think it's made it has made people a lot more aware of like, well, of course, maybe that person doesn't want to have to ask that question or they don't want to have, you know, it works for sports press conferences, too. Like, sorry, Bill Belichick. Yeah, I don't want to ask you anymore about whether Gronk is injured. But guess what? It's my job. And I'll get fired if I don't ask that question. Mm-hmm. And so you can see that sort of filtering down in other ways. And I and I do think that you know, in terms of fashion criticism as a whole, people are starting to understand that it's, it's more than just being like, we like to talk about shopping. Although frankly, I also think talking about shopping is perfectly legit and we should all do it. Um, but those who would look down their noses at it are, we are all sort of starting to fight back a little and be like, well, wait, it's not just about it out. You know, it's not just about an outfit. It projects something. It tells a story. And, um, you know, we wrote something for the Washington post, um, after when, when, Congress went back in session that was talking about a lot of the statement pieces that some of those women, the newly elected women had worn, or even the non-newly elected women. Yep. And um, our argument was very much that like, if everyone wants, the popular thing to do is say, why are you paying attention to the clothes? There's so much more important stuff. And we were like, that's missing the point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not paying attention to the clothes misses the point. And I felt that way at the Golden Globes when everybody was wearing black and, and people were saying, oh, don't ask about who you're wearing. And I was like, no, do ask because A, somebody made it. B, somebody took great pains to make it black so that you could be part of the statement many of them incorporated important symbolic touches so like yes talk about the clothes also that was a really good golden globes i have to say like we had no idea it was going to be so interesting but it was it was good i know they everybody yeah had more to to bring uh and so i guess as you're talking about sort of uh what you focus on and what is most interesting for you to uh, you know, to, to write about and to point out is important or not. Uh, at the same time, as you, you said, Elaine, like you file taxes, the reality <laughs> is a lot of people who write online do it from home or do it, uh, yeah, where a lot of your communication is on Slack, is on text or whatever. So mm-hmm. understanding that anything that happened in the last month or so is not your only sort of, you know, bump or irritation in the road. Is it hard right. to kind of parse that when you're also like, yeah, but I'm talking about a fictional disagreement with a person on the internet. Like, is it hard to kind of parse that you're allowed to feel away or allowed to have a hard day at work when it's about pictures or celebrities or kind of things that are fantasy, essentially? No, I mean, I think, I think it's good to have perspective regardless. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I just didn't get too twisted about the Olivia Munn thing. Because honestly, like, She's mad at us because I didn't like her outfit. This isn't the end of the world. Like, people have real problems. So I think that there's, for me, and I can only speak for myself, um, I am allowed to have a bad day at work. Uh, I do have a bad day at work sometimes. It's My feelings are legitimate. But I also do sometimes, I feel like, you know, my worst day at work is not that bad. Um, I worked on a, I used to work in reality TV a really long time ago. And one of the programs I worked on was a documentary series about um, residents who are learning to become surgeons, surgical residents at UCLA. It was called The Residents. And it was, I watched hours and hours and hours of these surgeons um, learning how to be doctors. And you kind of, I was like, look, if I screw up this episode of TV, like that's not great. But if this guy screws up the surgery, this person dies. So I just feel like I have a pretty good perspective about 
as much as I'm allowed to have a tough day at work and my work is important and I work really hard, you know, I also am writing about pants and (laughs) it kind of makes it easier to sort of take the bad day at work. You know what I mean? Like no one is going to walk away from this unable to talk. So it's all going to be okay. Yeah. So Um, sorry, go go ahead. I was just also chuckling because one of my first jobs was on a show called The Surgeons. Oh, so you get it, right? You're like, well, that guy's yeah. amazing. And he almost killed that guy. And I just like, maybe turn this cut in a little bit later. Yeah, it's be fun. I, just, yeah I also <laughs> like to think yeah. that I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, you know, uh, a macular eye surgery or similar. Yes, like, oh, me yeah, too. Obviously. That's the thing about Duanna. She spends like a week at, I don't know, some agricultural place for research. And all of a sudden you're an expert on, I don't know, corn farming. <laughs> I mean, I retain it. So, you know, it's it's more than you have on corn farming. But. You know, that's better than me. I feel like I have I have half the time don't know what day of the week it is, what the date is, but I know the names of celebrity children and I know what designer some awarded this other thing. And I'm like, well, I just got to give it up to the fact that I guess I guess I've lost some stuff from my brain. But what's in there is stuff I use. And that's, you know, I can't help it. My thing is always is that we... Even though you're right, Jessica, like, yeah, is it world changing? No. But at the same time, it makes us more interesting at a dinner party. I think so. How about that? I don't, I'm not, I think that what we do is important in the sense that people need procrastinatory material for one thing. Yeah, for one thing. But like, blow off steam. I love, you know, just because gossip or clothing have been sort of traditionally like female oriented topics. I think that makes people sometimes likely to dismiss them as being unimportant. Um, and so when I say that I feel like I have perspective because I'm not a brain surgeon, that doesn't mean that I think that what I'm doing is dumb um, because, you know, brain surgeons need to sit down on their lunch hour and like read about what Constance Wu did over the weekend and like what pants um, Emma Watson wore. Like everybody needs a little balance in their life and someone's got to provide smart takes on pop culture. I think that is an important part of everybody's media diet as well as the news or whatever else you're doing. And a very non-shameful one. You often get that. That's like, how can you be writing about this stuff when the world is burning around you? And it's like, I'm writing about this stuff because, in part because right now it feels like the world is burning around us and we need, we need something else. Like all of these things can be true at the same time. Like we need, we need somewhere else to look just for a second. But I also think that in the burning, these are the things we want to preserve. Fun, expression, art, communication. Like, right. if we're preventing the burning and fighting and being the resistance, we're mm-hmm. being the resistance because we're trying to, like, save something. And yeah. maybe this is too – maybe this is a step too far, but I think that you guys are – we're saving, as was proved by your yeah. fans oh. and Fug Nation. All of us step – like, being like, step off our girls. Yeah, thank, thank you. You. Um, you – I was – very, we were very moved and very touched by everybody. Like I, it was really great. Like we did not know what we were going to wake up to on Twitter. So to wake up, I think the first tweet I saw was actually Anne Helen Peterson's. And I yeah. thought, Oh, this yeah. isn't, this isn't so bad. And like, I scrolled through it and I was like, Oh, okay. This is interesting. Like this yeah. is how this is going to go. It was really obviously very touching. I kind of joked to Heather yeah. that it was like being able to attend your own funeral a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, really nice because we often talk about, you know, when someone leaves a comment on the blog, that's literally, they, they just pop by and they're like, can you imagine caring enough about people's pants? And I'm thinking, boy, it took a lot of effort to come, come here, scroll down, log in or whatever, leave the comment just to say that you think this is dumb. 
But the reverse is also true. Like the effort that it takes somebody to take the time to tweet something in your in defense of you or in support of you or to just make sure that you're okay, like that also takes time. Mm-hmm. And that was not lost on us that a lot of people took took the time to make to check in and make sure we were okay, make sure we felt supported. Like I'm I still get a little teary about it. And then you know I just I think about what you wrote, I think about what some of those other pieces were and I just I'm really very it it was very humbling and if anything came out of it it just re, it made us double down on wanting to just be we just want to be the best fuggers we can be <laughs> um, but it did it really we were like well if we've earned this if 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 this goodwill out there toward this exists and thank god it seems it seems to like well let's make sure we keep earning it you know let's not let's let's not rest on our laurels let's not act like oh, okay we're fine we're made in the shade like let's just let's just keep moving forward and let's keep being Tim Gunn, thoughtful, and uh, and make sure that we continue to earn it. Well, on that note, can we talk about your partnership? Yeah. Sure. You write together? Like, how does that work? So we don't write the blog together. I mean, we obviously are both writing yeah. for the blog. Yeah. But we write I stand on Jessica's shoulders, and I yell at her while she posts the piece. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we just write our own posts. We don't really edit each other's stuff. I will read Heather's stuff sometimes just because I want to see it before it goes up. And mm-hmm. if there's a typo or whatever, I'll fix it. Thank God. Um, but we do our own blog posts sort of independently of each You're other. You're not um, swinging yeah. computer keyboards back and forth, for example. No. No, no. Um, and it's funny because I think, you know, we have our own bylines on stuff. And, like, I don't really expect people to pay attention to that. But it is funny that sometimes people tend to think, well, but that was your stance on that one outfit was this. And I'm like, well, no, that was my stance on that outfit because I wrote that post. But like, we don't have like a unified GFY stance on something. So Jessica might not have liked that outfit. And so like, I know that can be kind of confusing, but I'm like, no, we, we, the reason we do it that way is so that it's clear that like, well, this is my opinion, but hers might be different. And it's actually kind of more fun when it is. So, you know, we don't really feel like we need to discuss an outfit ahead of time to have like a, an umbrella GFY stamp of approval or disapproval on it. It's interesting because um, our friends, Tom and Lorenzo, who Mm -hmm. do Tom Lorenzo, Mm -hmm. um, they discuss, or at least they used to, I think they still do, they -hmm. discuss everything before they post it. So they like kind of come to an agreement on it. Um, And I remember them telling us that at Fashion Week once. And I think I said to them, oh my God, that must take so much time. And they were like, it does. (laughs) It made me laugh. (laughs) The idea of them like having to not only do all the work, but also like have to like suss out their their um house policy on every outfit i don't know if they're still doing that the way they used to back in the day this was a long time ago um but yeah so we we sort of like go our own way for blog posts but then for the book obviously we write it together and then anything that we write that's a byline with the both of us on cosmo or when we used to write for new york magazine or you know our washington post piece or whatever we do like switch back we send it back and forth basically Mm -hmm. a lot of people think oh that must mean so you, so it's great. You only have to write half of a book each. And I'm like, no, it's really more like we each wrote the whole book twice. twice. Because, yeah. Because <laughs> you, you like, I'll like send a chapter to the other person and they read through it and they edit through it and they write through it. They might reorganize it. They might change it. They might be like the beginning doesn't work or the ending doesn't work. And they just come up with a, like they add their version and it becomes just as much theirs as it is the original person's. And then they add something and send it back. So it's like, we all, we each sort of get our full say in every section of the book, even if, for example, one paragraph isn't like, it's not like I can say I wrote that paragraph. And then she wrote the paragraph after that. It's like, no, like that paragraph is riddled with sentences and choices that we made either together or like I wrote half of it. And then she changed the second half and made it better. And it gave me a better idea for the first half or a lot of like, it's, 
really nitpicky and probably I'm sure there's a better way to do it, but I think it helps create the sense that although we write our posts on the site separately, there is still a unified voice that we can tap into. And would you say that there are uh, differences that define you, which I assume make you better? Uh, <laughs> most uh, Elaine and I uh, maybe have made a business out of disagreeing uh, in the best <laughs> way possible. Uh, currently, uh, it's about liking basically tweens versus uh, men who are of a distinguished age. Uh, <laughs> we have big disagreements on who is attractive, and I will oh, always okay. go towards Roger Sterling versus whichever child you like this week. Yeah. Uh, Sean Mendez is legal. He's like <laughs> hairless, and my joke is he looks like a cheese string. Anyway. <laughs> He's See? a cute cheese string. He's I, too young for me, though. Exactly. Yeah. I'm with Elaine. I lean Silver Fox on that one. Yeah. I thank get you. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. No, Silver Fox is the way to go. They're both on my side. I heard Sean somebody say I'm cute, with Lane on this. I am with you on him. I think he's cute, but I think he looks older than he is. I think if you look at Sean Mendes what? and you don't know who he is, you think he's like 30. Oh. He has like a. <laughs> older man like not that 30 is old I'm 44 um so for me 30 would still also be like a hot young thing bring it on <laughs> see when you said uh, 30 she got a little less interested <laughs> oh we just threw a cold oh this is exciting I think he has sort of like a mature aura to him I yes I see that too Jessica <laughs> whereas I feel like don't you feel like Nick Jonas is gonna look like 24 forever I do. I, I think that's how, his gift. I have no idea how old he is. He could be 24. I don't know. But I just feel like, I just feel like he's going to be a baby forever to me. And I will always have a hard time with that until he's like 50. And then I'll be like, oh, okay. It's because they're little, all it. three of them. Yeah. They yeah. are petite. Yeah. But see, didn't I say to you the other day, we're just going to devolve into a Sean Mendes uh, <laughs> podcast, but didn't I say like, maybe when he's 50, then he'll be something to look at. Maybe no. that'll be a thing. I- I'm not going to be interested. Like in five years, it's still over for me. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so what are your differences? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, the, but one of the reasons I think Heather and I have succeeded for so long is that we don't disagree very often. Sometimes we disagree in like um, magnitude. Like Heather will, for example, super hate something that I'm just kind of like, meh, like I don't love it, but I don't hate it. But we rarely like full on are on opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can think of a post where you were like, oh, I love this outfit. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, I don't think I've ever, <laughs> partly because if you like something, I'll read what you have to say about it. And I'll be kind of like, okay, like, I can see where she's coming with that. Like, you're a good writer. So you kind of convince me, you. you give me something to think about. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, I don't think we have any, we don't fight that much. Uh-uh. I think part of it is too, that we, our friendship and our close friendship predates us working together. And mm-hmm. so from the jump, we were like, well, I would rather have you in my life as my best friend than as my business partner. So if the business partner thing starts to compromise the first relationship, then we just have to figure something else out. Um, so knowing that our friendship is the a number one, most important thing to us, I think has helped us approach not even necessarily conflicts, but even just decisions in the most sensitive possible way. to where we're like, well, okay, let's talk about this. If we have to talk about something, do we want to do X, Y, Z? Cause that's coming at a hard time for you or you know, me being like, Oh, I, I'm really sorry that I've been slow with this thing, but I have all these other things that I'm struggling with right now. And I can be honest with you that I'm struggling with them. And she can hear that as a human being and not just a business partner. And like, we can work it out, you know, um, wanting to preserve that friendship because it was what got us here. 
and it will be what waits for us when uh, photos get too expensive and we <laughs> have to leave the internet. Um, oh my God, so like, Yasik is going to love this part of the discussion. <laughs> right, yeah. this works for him. This is going out to him. These yeah. photo costs, oh my God. Oh my We've God. Had- that, that is a big thing people don't realize, aside from the taxes. We'll often get comments, totally understandable and innocent, where people are like, oh, you know, you didn't have a picture. Where's such and such from this event? Or so and so was there or whatever. And sometimes it's like, well, we didn't have it. And sometimes it's like, like as Jessica always likes to say, I'm not blowing my photo budget on Prince Edward. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just never going to do it. He's never in Royals Roundup. Sorry. No one cares. He looks the same. I'm not spending my money on him. Sorry, Edward. Um, photos are freaking expensive. Yeah. So once, yeah, but, but so we want our friendship to be the thing that outlasts all of it. So we got to, we take care of that first and foremost. Which means that if you do have differences of opinion, it's always about the work right? Like it's never a situation where you worry about, oh, what do they think? Or, or are we actually arguing about something else? There's the security in knowing that if your friendship is that rock solid, that any sort of differences of, yeah, interest in a project or of opinion or whatnot are just kind of about logistics at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, like we don't really, I am not an argumentative person, like in my personal life really at all. So yeah, we don't really have, and neither is Heather. So like, we don't really have fights. We we once um, were deciding whether to do this TV project in like 2007 or something. And I think maybe we were on the phone. No, we were, we were, I am, we were not on the phone. (laughs) We were on the phone for some of it though. When it got late at night, I think we both abandoned ship on IM and went to the phone. But anyway, we were on for a really absurdly embarrassingly long time because we couldn't decide whether to do it and we were each torn in different directions. And by the time we were done with that conversation, we'd each swip swapped to the other person's point of view. <laughs> My husband was home and he was listening and I thought he was going to go insane. And I was like, I'm sorry. You just had to listen to that whole thing. And I talked myself to her side and she's now talked herself to where I was. Um, but yeah, we, did know, it. We, can, we can take it to those extremes, but they're never really fights so much as like, we just want to make sure we're not doing anything dumb. Like we're we doing the right thing. Like, is it right for us? Is it right for our lives? Is it right for, um, can we manage it? That kind of thing. I mean, like with anything, we do so much electronic communication because we live in LA. And if we tried to work next to each other all the time, we'd be in our cars the whole day. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we message a lot and sometimes you'll type a message and then you'll think, Oh God, that in print did not read the way that it sounded. Or like I used a period at the end of that and that seems aggressive on it's a messenger. And I didn't mean it. That's not an aggressive period. It was just a period. Um, so you, you catch yourself overthinking those little things, but honestly, like it comes from a good place. So, you know, I'd much rather check back in with her and be like, you knew that I wasn't actually like asking you where the book was. Cause I was mad. Right. I was actually just asking cause I was afraid that I didn't get the email cause your email has been crazy. Um, and we, so we just like to, we, we check back in on each other. I'd rather err on the side of extreme caution, which makes yeah, our instant yeah. messages sometimes really boring, but what are you going to do? Yeah. We're very, we're pretty laid back. Like, yeah. We are not argumentative at all. For the wicked witches of the internet, we're pretty, know. We're pretty chill. <laughs> For such big bitches. So when it comes to the book and deadlines and sending each other things back and forth, um, what are your work mechanics like? Like are your work styles in, you know, in sync there too? You mentioned, I think, Heather, you mentioned you like writing at night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. do you, both of you like writing at night? Like, how are you, fi- how are you get finding like matching gears there? You know, I think we, 
I would assume that a lot of it is that we both understand that we're going to get the work done and however we get the work done doesn't really matter to the other person. So like I Jessica, trust me that if I'm off messenger in the morning, it's not because I'm choosing not to do work. And then I'm just sitting in the middle of my floor, like staring at the paint. It's that I had something going on. And so I will make up for those. I will make up for that time later and I will get it done. Um, and it's the same for her. You know, I think if she has a day where she doesn't do anything GFY related during the day, it's because something else is going on. Or maybe it's because she'd been doing it for four days in a row and she just needs a little time to decompress or like she's a hair appointment or whatever. Um, it's usually both, that I have a hair appointment. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we both trust each other that the work will get done and we're not super fussy about the hours in which it gets done, which is really honestly, you guys, I mean, it's kind of the benefit of working from home or being self-employed. It's like, yeah, I can make my own hours as long as there's, as long as the work gets done at the end of the day, who cares when it gets done. Um, so some days like today I was writing in the morning, some days, um, I have more stuff to do during the day that can only be done during business hours. And so I'll pull out the laptop after the kids are in bed and write until the wee hours, you know, it just sort of depends how it shakes out. But as long as I get it to her, I don't think she cares. Yeah. I don't you care. Do it right, do it right now. Right now. I don't care. I think for us, like the book is very, is sort of can fit into any sort of amorphous hole we have in our schedule. Mm -hmm. The way we sort of are doing it now is the person who has the book writes fewer posts for the website. Mm -hmm. And the person who doesn't have the book sort of is running point on the site. So mm -hmm. I have the site right now. Um, and because as you guys obviously are well, as well aware as anyone, everything happens on the red carpet at night in order for us to have content for the morning. Sometimes we have to write at night. Yeah. Um, so we're often up late working just so we can sort of like not get up at five in the morning. Right. Um, book wise for me, I just do it like whenever I can get it in there. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let's talk about the book. Um, well, okay. Let's, for those of you who are listening who aren't aware, um, be aware. How could that be possible? I know, but <laughs> we're just going to like, you know, uh, we're going to tone for that. The Royal We um, came about before Meghan Markle came into Prince Harry's life. Now, this is a book that imagines a Prince of England who ends up meeting a commoner, but an also, American. An, an American <laughs> Um, so, so at uni, we should at say, uni. <laughs> so when, when it's announced that Prince Harry is dating Meghan Markle, what are you thinking at this point? Are you like sending the book out everywhere? Are you like, Hey, we wrote this book. Like, I want to be very mercenary about this. How opportunistic and exploitative were you? Probably not as much as we should have been. Yeah. Guys. Well, I, I do think. I think, I think it, it Amazon was actually kind of exploitative in a great way. Like, I feel like, am I crazy, Jess? Or don't you feel like shortly after that happened, the Kindle book went on sale? Like a that deep was sale? Our, our publisher put it on sale. Our publisher did it. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. were smart. We, around that time, um, were making, we needed to make some house ads, uh, mostly for mobile, but also for the website, just in case, in, in case of empty spots, as I'm sure you've run, as you may not have run into that, but we have sometimes. And that right around that time, we literally, we, we have the house ad that runs for us. It's an ad for the Royal Re that's like, the Prince marries an American. We literally wrote the book on that. Um, <laughs> and so I felt pretty good about that. I didn't feel, I didn't feel guilty one bit about, um, I mean, we, it was eerie. It was like we incepted it. I mean, we certainly tweeted like, holy shit. I can't <laughs> this book. Yeah. Um, and it, and, I mean, we did end up 
Entertainment Weekly wrote about it again, which was amazing. And we did end up booking a lot of press when we were in the UK for the wedding. We went over for the wedding. Um, and the book obviously got us all kinds of stuff like that. We did so not get it, an invitation, however, which was <laughs> devastating. Um, although I will forgive them. I'm hoping that the next child they have, they'll name Heather as a way of <laughs> Heather Jessica or Jessica Heather as a way of uh, compensating for the fact that we didn't get to be inside the church. At this relationship, we clearly willed into being. Yeah, that you orchestrated. Exactly. Right. Right. Even though the book is more about William and Kate, yes. Yes. <laughs> Bex is not Megan at all, yeah. but yes. So the book that you're passing back and forth right now that is mm-hmm. in progress, what is it? It's a sequel. Great. Tell, yes. tell the people listening about the sequel. We haven't said too much about it publicly. It's called The Air Affair. Okay. Um, and I mean, it really is, it's, it's, it's a sequel. It was something we've been tossing around doing anyway. Um, and I think it actually grew out of, we, we had toyed with doing like a Kindle single or something that was going to come out as bonus content around the time of the wedding. And we wrote it and what it ended up doing was getting our juices flowing and kind of getting our agent's juices flowing and our editor's juices flowing. We were like, let's just do a sequel. Let's not, let's not, you know, let's not do this. Let's do, let's do the full shebang. Um, and it's been kind of, we like, we've been, it's just been sort of tricky to, to nail down what we wanted to have happen. Honestly, I never really, I had not always thought of there being a sequel. I kind of liked where it ended, but, um, people responded really well to it. And when we both kind of realized that we weren't done with that universe yet, like we created this whole big, you know, this whole big place, spent so much time there. And I was like, yeah, actually I could sort of stand to go back there. What about you? And Jess was like, yeah, no, I think we could. I think we can figure something out. Right. And it took us a while to do it. Um, it is not what we're not doing with it is we're not turning it into the Harry and Megan story. Um, in part because we sort of already wrote it. Um, we wrote the American outsider thing. Um, and, and part because I think we wanted as tempting as it is to riff off of things that are happening. And some of that will happen in the book. Um, we just, we wanted to make sure that this universe took on a bit more of a life of its own. Cause as we don't want it to, we don't want people to think that we're just writing Royals fan fiction at this point. Um, and I don't have a problem with writing fan fiction, but it's funny because a lot of people use that term to refer to the first book. And I was like, oh, okay, I could see where you would do that. I never really thought of it that way though. Um, and I, I kind of want Bex and Nick to live as, you know, Bex and Nick now, unless as, you know, well, they're just William and Kate with different names. And I think, uh, one thing that you did say, you said you haven't said a lot about it, but I think one thing you did say on the site that caught my heart in my throat was more Freddie. Uh, which... I mean, <laughs> it's, it's about the same amount as Freddie as the first book. Like, I, I will take really... any Freddie that I can get. He's still in it. <laughs> Don't worry. He's all over it. If anybody people... who is listening does not know about the glory of Freddie, you need to go and study up in time uh, so that you have time to process and really get to know him on a cellular <laughs> level uh, before the second episode because uh, Freddie also very well named, uh, really lives in a, in a special and very three-dimensional place. Thank you. I feel like all of that, I want to make a blurb. I know. Well, <laughs> get to know Freddie on a cellular level. Yes. Let's put Thank that on you. the back. We're yeah. going to text, I'm going to text our editor as soon as we get Good off the stuff. phone. I was very, very excited. Yes. There's a lot of Freddie in it, but it's not, I think a lot of people thought we were going to do like a Freddie spinoff kind of, mm-hmm. and we are not. And I think he's a character who, Everyone's watched that TV show where they take a secondary beloved character and they give him a lot to do. And then you're like, oh, I don't want that much of that person. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. he's the character where you, 
you want a lot of it, but you don't want all of it. Yeah. I think. So, so uh, yeah. It's, it's being judicious. Them, yeah. Given that you have like a feature that is quite popular, the Royal Roundup that you prioritize, you have to Mm -hmm. get it done. And this, I don't know, 18 months has been so heavily royal. I mean, it is, (laughs) it is astonishing between the wedding and the baby and the gossip and, well, the gossip. And the tour. The tour. The tours and now the baby. Oh my God. It's, it's been a lot. So for you, is this a bonus or are you ever like, dudes, just give us a break? No, I like it. It's always easier when there's more to talk about, I think, than when there's less. Because you know how it is like in August when nothing is happening. All the celebrities are like on a dumb boat somewhere, <laughs> not going anywhere, not doing anything. Yeah. All the royals are in Balmoral. They're not doing anything. Like August are dark days for those of us who have to come up with daily content on the internet unless someone really loses their mind. So I'm always happy to have more content, the better. Yeah. Everything well, is copy, as Nora Efron said. So there are definitely copy. days like when Kate had her surprise. I can't speak. When Kate had her surprise engagement the day after the Met, when we woke up to that and we were still yeah. I think Met content out. We were kind of like, could you just have done this tomorrow? Could you just have waited one day for the sake of the bloggers? Obviously, no. <laughs> But there are times when we're like, well, boy, it's either feast or famine. And I, we would really like to spread that up just a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it's hard to be churlish about it. Like she said, and like it's every, we, we need the content and it's interesting to talk about. People like to discuss it. So well, I'm sure your, bring you on had your the same, I'm sure you had the same experience last week where you were like, oh my God, between this baby and the Met Gala, I need to go to sleep. Uh, this is too oh, much information. It, and this uh-huh. is th- this is what Duane and I like struggle with because yeah, it just so happens that on Met Gala week she has the baby, and then there's Game of Thrones. Like it, yeah. it. And the thing is, is that I know that I I know that you can probably relate to this. On the site, you never want to pull back the curtain too much, right? People come to have fun. They're mm-hmm. not here to hear about how many posts you have to write and how you're stressing about yeah. like your word like getting this picture up and this set of photos up and having mm-hmm. to cover this. But the reality is, is that there have been some days where I've been like, fuck, like I've, I've just written a thousand words on this. And then the next story comes out. Now I have to write another thousand. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, what that, I think about you with that a lot because you have to deal with updates. And one thing that doesn't happen when someone wears um, a hideous Balmain dress to a movie premiere is they don't come out with an update to that dress <laughs> the next day. <laughs> like they just took it off and they did something else. So like it's fresh content and it's not, it's not changing stories. It's nothing. It's not like you have to refocus your perspective on the original. Cause there was new information. Like, in fact, the only event where that kind of happens is the Met because, and I'm again, I'm sure you feel this too. Like I wish that all of the celebrities put out leaflets before they even hit the red carpet because there's so much to understand about what they're starting to work into these outfits. And because we have to cover them at the speed of the internet, we miss a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was some outfit that I think it was Gemma Chan's that was beautiful, but I didn't totally see how it fit the theme. And I thought it fit, it fit previous themes better. And then someone later was like, well, her headpiece was based on uh, something that Taylor. you know, from, yes, from boom or yeah. something. And I was like, Oh God. All right. Well, I missed that reference. Oh, well, but I would have loved to know that. Um, and that is the only event where I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel like I need to rewrite all these posts like two days later to be like, here's what I know now. <laughs> but you deal with that every day. 
since it's all that content that they release about the stylist and the ideas and so forth is so thoughtful yeah. and so rich. And you're like, yeah, that would have been real great. I know. And it's yeah. all what underscores why talking about this stuff is useful and important um, and, and meaningful. Like, look at all the work that goes into all that stuff. So, yeah, I wish I, I do. I feel like I need a little novelization of every dress, please. And thank you. <laughs> But just where royals are concerned, I'm interested in whether that started as just an interest of yours. Because uh, one difference is that we are Canadian. Uh, yeah. And so we're brought up with, you know, the queen's on the money and somebody's mom always like has a weird crush on Charles. Uh, and I feel <laughs> like that's not quite the same thing oh, in the U.S. So did that come from you guys or was it something that you thought, you know, these people are being undercovered with their weird hats or where did that begin? <laughs> Americans love the British royal family. That is true, though. Like, I think for us, it's sort of less complicated because it's not a political thing. Like, there's no, like, weird taxes. Like, where's our, is our yeah. tax money paying for your hats? Like, we don't have any of that. It's and just think, a soap opera. Yeah. I think Princess Diana was, like, such a big deal here. Mm -hmm. Amer and, like, Americans freaking love the royals. Like, look at People magazine. They always have the cover a royal on the cover or like in the sidebar like what's going on with megan's baby joy whatever um vanity fair obviously is very royals heavy so i was always even as a kid like very into princess diana i was little when they got married obviously i was only five or something um so for us i think it was kind of a long-term interest it wasn't it it certainly grew out of like a legitimate interest not like a let's jump into this space. I think it's going to be fruitful. We just were into it. I also think that we're of a certain age where William and Harry um, were sort yes. of right in there for us to be able to be crushing on as you're getting older and they're growing up and being cute. <laughs> um, and so that plus how stirred everybody was by seeing them lose their mother and walk behind, walk in the funeral procession and all that. I think people really took that to heart. and were sort of like, we just hope those boys turn out okay. And so once they kind of came of age and started having these lives of their own, I think that reinvigorated a lot of interest in the royal family that had um, tapered off a bit after Diana passed. Um, because suddenly people were like, oh, these, are these boys going to be okay? Or they're, they're starting to talk more about it. They're starting to talk about her memory and how it's affecting their, um, you know, their royal life going forward and the legacy they want to build. And um, so we started covering them on the site um, in earnest, I mean, I think it was right when William and Kate. It was the wedding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I remember we, we covered the engagement announcement and we did a big slideshow that was like, here's everything we could find that she's worn in public. Cause there hasn't been a lot of it. Um, you know, it's a lot of boots and pants. Um, <laughs> and then after that, we just, and after that, we kind of went with it because she was, this is, and that was what really inspired the book was that it was this woman who had fallen in love with this, her college boyfriend and hung in there through whatever, or they'd broken up and they'd had the twists and the turns and there was obviously something still there and they were going to make it work. And suddenly she's the most famous woman ever. Like, you know, she was weighty Katie for a long time. And then overnight they were like, she's our future queen. She's the Duchess. And people really seemed to want to, to embrace her into the fold. And she was one of the most looked at people in the pop culture at that time. And we were like, well, it would be strange not to cover the story of this person's evolution and, and watching her sort of try to develop a sense of style under those circumstances and under that spotlight was fascinating. Um, and once then that, I think, made us realize that people had an appetite for all the other royals as well, not just in the UK, but um, the Euros, as we call them, um, <laughs> specifically the likes of Maxima. I mean, like, 
once you've once you've peeled back the curtain on Maxima and the stuff that she wears, yeah, you know, she's gonna yeah. be on the site forevermore. Um, she's fascinating. So it, that just kind of grew from there, and people. That's when we realized, oh, there's an appetite for this, and so well, let's go with it. Something we don't have, but we don't have a lot of pageantry in that way here. So let's embrace it. Let's tiara it up, everybody. <laughs> hats, more hats. Well, we don't want to take up any more of your time. Thank you so Thank much you. for your work and for joining us. And yeah, this is, this is, we're big fans. We are Fug Nation. Oh, um, thank you. Go thank forth you. and we fug for us. You guys, you guys are where we go when we need something smart to read that is taking us away from a second from, I don't know, Jennifer Lawrence's your contract. No, honestly, I think that one of the things that um, came out of all this was this amazing community, especially of women online who write for a living, yeah. supporting each other. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of shit that people take on, like, on the internet in, the, in terms of, like, we get a bad rap for, or the internet in general gets a bad rap for not being a safe space. But I think that what happened uh, that, like, that Wednesday was a community came together in support, and it, it really, like, it felt, I know it must have felt great for you, but it was it was really nice to see um, people honoring the work of other women and we honor your work. So thanks for sharing like your work process and your work ethic and all that with us today. I mean, that really could be its own episode. I also could have spent at least a half hour just talking about gift choices. Uh, cause I feel like there's a real, <laughs> that was a genius there. question. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, look, obviously, as you just heard, we have so much admiration for the way that Heather and Jessica work and run their site. To be around for almost 15 years, they're celebrating their 15th anniversary in July, um, is not an easy thing in the blogging industry. You and I have talked a few times about sites that aren't around anymore, that we miss, that it's a difficult, that it's a difficult, um, it's a difficult lane to be in. It's a difficult format. Yeah. And they make it look so easy. They're so organized. It's so fun. And it's serious. They take their jobs as bloggers seriously. Absolutely. As as Heather, I think, said, like, why shouldn't we be talking about this? It's sometimes talking about the things we're not talking about are the point. So we hope you enjoyed that. Uh, please support GFY, Fug Nation forever. Oh. If you haven't read The Royal We yet, come on. I, I like, listen, this is homework as we sometimes assign, but it is a joy. It is so much fun to tear through and you will not be disappointed that you spent time with Freddie, frankly, and everybody else. So thank you to Heather and Jessica for joining us and for giving us their time. Um, and also thank you to the people out there who supported Heather and Jessica that day and every day, but in particular that day, we talked about the community of support that really sprang up immediately to make sure that they were okay. And listen, as I said on the podcast, it was a really nice thing to see um, people honoring and respecting the work and the contributions that they've made over the last 15 years and hopefully for 15 or more. Yeah. And I would echo, um, you know, Jessica and Heather said that they have really smart readers. And I would say that we are lucky enough to share some of those as readers and as listeners to this podcast. And we always squeal when your email signatures uh, tell us the fancy ass places that you work and the amazing jobs that you do. So know that we appreciate that with all the places you could put your big brains, 
that you are spending a little time with us. So thanks for listening as always. Thanks for supporting our work. Thanks for supporting the work of bloggers out there like Heather and Jessica. Subscribe to us where you get your podcasts. Continue to send us emails, leave reviews. And let us know if you thought Heather and Jessica sounded a little worried about us when we said that we sometimes disagree. I want to know what you think. (laughs) And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 